0: Hello, and welcome to ODC Ministries Podcast. Today I am privileged to introduce to our audience, Pastor Byron Jackson, the Senior Pastor of the Greater Thankful Baptist Church of Anniston, Alabama. Pastor Jackson is the youngest pastor in the history of Greater Thankful. He's a graduate of Jacksonville State University with a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. He's also a graduate of Beeson Divinity School at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, where he received a Master's of Divinity degree. Please sit back and listen to Pastor Jackson give a wonderful sermon on stewarding the Lord's time. He will unpack for us what Sabbath really means and how to practice Sabbath in a way that honors God. But more importantly, also helps you. As we get ready to go into a new year, I believe that you should take some time and consider how can I practice Sabbath consistently over the next year because God commanded us to rest. So listen to Pastor Jackson and enjoy this wonderful example Of expository preaching
1: let us bow father focus our minds on you help us to hear your word clearly help me to preach clearly father because you've spoken clearly it's now father that as I stand to speak your word before a body of people who need to hear a word that we ask you to speak as I open my mouth let them hear your voice bless us to have open minds and open hearts to receive and apply that which will be shared today. We ask these things in your son Jesus' name and all said, amen. There is a word from the Lord, in Deuteronomy chapter number five. We'll begin our reading, verse 12, very familiar passage of scripture and it's unorthodox, As this message may be for this time of year, I do believe it'll be beneficial for those who hear and receive it. Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning at verse number 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well with you, rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Thus in the reading of the scripture, you may be seated. Ushers, you may be seated. If you will indulge me for a few moments this morning. I'd like to speak from the thought, stewarding stewarding the Lord's time. Stewarding the Lord's time. Stewarding the Lord's time. How should the New Testament believer view the Old Testament law? This, my brothers and sisters, is actually one of those theological questions that has many answers. So today I ask you, how do you view the Old Testament law? Most people today stand on one side of this dividing fence. Either the law is to be completely forgotten, because Paul himself said that we no longer live under the law, but now under grace, Romans 6.14. Or others believe that the law should be followed strictly to the letter. Well, I mean, because it's included in the Bible. I do contend, however, that The law of the Old Testament is still both important and beneficial for the New Testament believer. Not necessarily to be followed by the letter. But to be beneficial to my life of faith. Hear me out here. I I, I don't need the Mosaic or the Old Testament laws to be saved. For our eternal salvation our forgiveness, and our right standing with God are wholly rooted in Jesus' completed work on the cross. You missed your shout. But you're probably not shouting yet because you don't yet know that there are some 613 laws in the Old Testament Torah. If I had to commit myself to living by and obeying over 600 laws in order for God to love me, I know I'd be in trouble. I'd certainly be in trouble if my salvation depended on me not breaking any one of those 613 laws because the Bible says that if you broke one of them, you're broken all of them. That's why I thank God for Jesus because he freed me from the burden of the law. And allowed me to live pleasing to him under the grace of God. I thought I had a few Christians in the room that could shout with me about the fact that we serve a God who loved us so much that he wrapped his own nature in human flesh. Ain't that why you celebrate Christmas? You're excited about the fact that you serve a God who wrapped himself in flesh in order to free you from the burden of the law. Though I do not need the law to be saved, it does not make the law useless. Those laws still contain principles for living well and for living the kind of life that pleases God. Just stick with me for just a little while longer. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, we witness a church meeting of the Israelite church where Reverend Moses serves as pastor. He simply calls them together to give them what the Lord has given him. From our standpoint, we know this message as the Ten Commandments. God has just made a covenant with Israel, and he had recently delivered them from the bondage of their oppressors in Egypt. Now that he has established a relationship, God then gives the rules. We're going to try that one more time. Now that God has established their relationship of building a covenant with them, God then gives the rules. Can we stick a pen right there for a minute, Deacon Stephanie? Many of us could avoid hurt, frustration, and wasted time if we took a note from God right here. He doesn't give us rules until he's established a relationship. You, you didn't catch it, so let me come down your street. You wouldn't be so frustrated if you had established a, a relationship before you tried to put rules on that relationship. Are you going to walk with me? You wouldn't be mad at your ex-boo if you had established the relationship and what that relationship was before you wanted to go public with that relationship. God establishes the relationship and then gives rules. For that relationship, Moses speaks as the Lord's mouthpiece, providing for this group of people the rules for the roller coaster ride. They knew where they had been, they would soon find out their destination, but they were intentionally kept out of the loop about the route. Okay, let's try that one more time. Moses speaks as the Lord's mouthpiece, providing for this group of people the rules for the roller coaster ride. You know, when you go to Six Flags, there's typically at the beginning of the entrance for the line, a measuring stick. Because in order for you to get on this ride, you've got to adhere to certain rules. First, for most of the rides, you've got to be at least 48 inches tall. And then you must consent mentally to the fact that you're gonna keep your hands inside the ride while you're on the ride. Before you get on the ride, you need to understand the rules for the ride. So when Moses speaks as the Lord Mouthpiece, he provides for this group of people the rules for the roller coaster ride. Listen to this though, they knew where they had been, they would soon find out their destination but god intentionally kept them out of the loop about the route but he still gives them rules for the ride you know what he tells them don't you he tells them ten things number one he tells them i'm your only god can i give you the ten commandments in the way i understand it number one he tells them i'm your only god number two he tells them don't you make no fake gods to worship i'm jealous so worship me for who i am Number three, he says, if it's not in reverence, keep my name out your mouth. Yeah. Number four, he tells them, baby, sit down and chill one day a week. Yeah. Number five, he says, don't, res- don't disrespect your mama and your daddy. Just listen, your life will be better and longer if you just learn how to respect them. Yeah. Number six, don't kill. Number seven, stick to your own spouse. And if you don't have one, leave everybody else's alone. Number eight, keep your hands off of things that don't belong to you. Number nine, stop lying on people. And number ten, stop wanting other people's stuff. But for the sake of our leaving here better than we came today, with being more informed and having a more expanded consciousness, I want to hone in on number four. Chill out. One day a week. God says something very powerful through Moses here that that I believe is imperative for one to have a long and more fruitful life. But also carries heavy consequences if ignored. Rest. We live in such a fast paced society. Everyone is so busy. Working, studying, working, socializing, working, preparing for tomorrow, and doing some more work. And it is really taking a toll on us. Currently, one in six Americans is on some type of anxiety prescription. The average person spends what should be their quiet moments worried about tomorrow. Though our world and our society come with so many pressures, we must remember that we are not owners of time, but simply stewards of the Lord's time. Are you going to walk with me today? And today, we want to take notice that from the very beginning, God made rest an important facet of human life. Believe it or not, rest isn't about a break. God instituted regular rest as a part of life for his creation. And if you read the Bible, you'll find out it's not just limited to humans. First, God himself rested. The beginning verses of Genesis chapter 2 tell us that God rested from all his work on the seventh day. In Exodus, in the Exodus uh, chapter 20 account of these 10 commandments, God uses the fact that he rested as a premise for why we should rest too. Leviticus 25 even speaks of the people giving the land a rest for one year every seven years. If anything is to be fruitful and continuously productive, it needs rest. If anything is to be fruitful and continuously productive, it needs rest. The word Sabbath, my brothers and sisters, comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to rest or to cease. Moses tells the people in Deuteronomy chapter 5 that listen, my brothers and sisters, one day a week you need to cease. Not cease from living, not cease from doing good, but cease from work. Cease from the pressures of this life. Take a day. Off. A day off to what? A day off from what? A a day to shut out. Log out. Get out. Sit down. Shut down. Lay down. A day. To break from your usual routine. And there's so many of you who who are already, I, I I hear Satan speaking to you already. He's saying, you can't afford that. That's why one in six of us work ourselves to death while pumping anxiety medication down our throat. Because we live under the constant pressure that if we stop, All the threads of our lives will begin to unravel. If we don't work the overtime, we're going to fall apart. Our bills won't get paid. Our things will be lost. Our cars will be repossessed. Our homes uh, will cause us to be evicted from them if we don't rest. But Jesus said in Mark chapter 2 verse number 7 that the Sabbath is made for man, not the man for the Sabbath. And I know you don't understand that yet, but let me help you for just a minute. The concept of the Sabbath is much like the concept of tithing. They're similar because when God speaks about money and time, he says, watch this, give me some and I will bless you more with what you got left than you could ever do with what you had to start with. Okay, you don't get it yet. So let's talk about these three markers and realities of rest. Number one, rest allows for one to remember what matters. Twelve years ago, I got my license. And I was on the move. Every morning, I crank up that car and hit the streets. I was always on the go, and one day as I was preparing to leave, my mama said that I wasn't about to go anywhere. Frustrated, thinking, but I didn't understand what the problem was. I had gas, my grades were good, and she knew where I was going, but for some reason, I couldn't go. She said, boy, you need to get that car a break. Better yet, you need to give your brain a break. Sit down for a while today. I was upset and angry. Probably went in my room and said some Sunday school words. But here's the reality. She taught me that every now and then, I need to sit down by myself and just think. The reality reality of, of the Sabbath is not is that the Sabbath is not for God. God never said that you gotta observe the Sabbath for Him. In reality, The Sabbath is for you. You need to regularly break away from your routine so you can remember what's important. The reality is that that most of us who find ourselves getting off track in this life don't all of a sudden have some terrible motives. No, we've got good motives. They just get out of control you started out wanting to provide for your family. And the more they kept offering you overtime, you lost sight of the fact that you were going to work for your family. Now you going to work providing for your family and forgot about your family. And every now and then, you need to sit down So you can remember that the whole reason I get up at five o'clock, the whole reason I clock in on time is so I can provide for those that I love. But here's another part of this. The Exodus 20 version of this text points to the creation. He says, observe the Sabbath, keep it holy. You, your ox, your donkey, your servants, all of y'all need to take a break. But the rationale for it in Exodus 20 is creation. God points to the fact in that instance that God created the world in six days and on the seventh day he rested. And since God rested, you need to rest. But that's not the case here. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the rationale is not that God created everything, but it's that God had recently delivered them from where they were. You don't understand when to shout? The Lord says through Moses to the people that, listen, you need to observe the Sabbath so you remember who got you where you are. You ain't got to say amen because I know your theology is God put you on this earth and you did everything else. But might I back you up a few steps and remind you that everything you got, the Lord gave you everything you have. The Lord supplied it everything you are. God made you. And, And without the Lord. Without the Lord. We would be nothing. Without the Lord, we would have nothing. And without the Lord, we would not be. In other words, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I ain't even got to ask you where I would be because I'd be dead sleeping in my grave. That's why I thank the Lord. Every now and then, you need to sit down and be reminded of what's important. But secondly, not only does rest allow for one to remember what matters, but secondly, rest enables one to receive divine direction for their future. Now, we're going to have to hop away from Deuteronomy 5, but I'm going to stay in the Bible if you'll just walk with me. Second Samuel chapter number 7, we see our good friend by the name of David. David gets settled in the palace. He has just been made king. Now, keep in mind, he was made king and then later got to the palace. But once he gets settled into the palace, then he remembers the presence of God needed to be moved. But what you miss about 2 Samuel chapter 7 is the Bible says that when he got into the palace, the Lord gave him rest from all of his enemies. Follow the timeline. David leaves the field, gets into the palace. The Lord gives him rest, and then he remembers what he's supposed to be doing. Let's try it one more time. He goes from constant labor into a place of elevation. He gets rest once he gets there, and then he gets direction for his future. Don't you understand that this is the text that leads you to the text where David danced? Because when David gets into the palace, David remembers that the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, needed to be moved into the holy city. So David, at this point, receives direction from God that the Ark of the Covenant needs to go wherever I go. When David gets rest, he gets the direction that leads him to a place of praise and worship. Might I suggest to you that the reason you sit here like a bump on a log on Sunday morning is because you hadn't rested. You hadn't had time to shut out the pressures of the world. You hadn't had time to shut out the stresses from your job. But if you'll sit down every now and then, you'll remember what God has for you to do but you'll also remember what the Lord has done. The same God that brought me through last year is the same God that brought me through this year and that's the same God that I'm in here to worship. And so, and so, oh, but it don't stop with David. Saul, in Acts chapter number 9, who would morph into Paul, came to understand what he was to do for the rest of his life when he was forced to rest in a house after the Lord took his sight and his appetite. come here come here baby. I don't want to leave you out this morning. listen that there are some of us who would, Find out what our true calling is. You mad because it seems like everybody else got something going on and you ain't got your thing yet. Everybody else is getting elevated and it seems like God is skipping over you. Everybody else is getting blessed and it seems like you're left behind. If you would learn to sit down in the house every now and then and just rest, you might find out your calling for the rest of your life. But notice something about Saul, the Paul. He was forced to rest. I don't know if you've ever been in this position before. When I was working on my masters, uh trying to become a pastor, still trying, uh, and 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 still trying to see about my mama and uh still trying to be this this young pastor. Uh I worked seven days a week for quite a few years. And the craziest thing happened, Deacon McMahon. One day I laid down on the couch and woke up ten hours later. But 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 here's what you miss. I, I didn't just get up. Somebody woke me up. If you know anything about me and my mama's relationship, you know that we talk multiple times a day. So she called me once. I didn't answer. She called me again. I didn't answer. My brother was home at the time. She said, Justin, go up there. You got a key, right? Go go check on your brother. He came tiptoeing in my house and thought I was dead on my couch. he tapped me, and when I jumped, he jumped. But the whole reason that I'm telling you this is because if you don't rest, you're building up sabbaths that the Lord will eventually make you pay yourself back later. If you don't ever sit down, Sometimes you'll have to be sat down. Here it is. Here it is. Listen, everybody ain't sick. And I know that's not good English. Everybody ain't sick because they're not taking care of themselves. Some folk are eating right, working out, watching their fats and their carbs, and still end up in the hospital. Maybe because admittance is the only way you'll sit still. Rest allows for one to remember what mattered. Secondly, rest enables one to receive divine direction for their future. And thirdly, and I'm done, rest, hear this good now rest provides an exchange of the personal concern for provision. For the patient carving of the potter. Let's try that one more time. Rest provides an exchange of the personal concern for provision for the patient carving of the potter. Here it is. Most people would deny the direction to rest because they say, I can't afford that. Pastor, there's already not enough hours in the day. I got a list of stuff to do. And if I don't hurry up and do it, I'll fall behind. I'll get behind. As a matter of fact, I'm already behind. I can't afford to not work one day out the week, I need those extra funds. And so on, and so on. The beauty of the Sabbath for the New Testament, New Testament believer is that it's not just an act of obedience. I want you to hear this because most of you have waved your hand at some point in this worship service in order to signify that you agree and love Jesus. The beauty of the Sabbath for the New Testament believer is that it's not just an act of obedience— but also a step of faith. The principle of the Sabbath, as I said earlier, but I want to break it down a little more, is the same of that of the tithe. For those of us who are tithers, we know that our salvation is not dependent upon our tithing. Now, now see, you got to be careful when you get to running the folk church and they say Jesus ain't going to love you if you don't tithe. He died for you before, he, before you got here. So. But, but, but here's, here's the reality. Though we know and we understand that we tithe not for our salvation, but we tithe because God simply said that we ought to give 10%. Watch this now. Not for God, but for me. Now, this puts most people's idea of how to manage their money on its head. I don't do this for God. God said, do it for me. You give the 10%. God said, if you go read Malachi chapter 3, God said, not only will I stretch your 90, but I'll protect it too. Hmm. You give 10. God said, I'll stretch your 90% and protect it. And I found that God can make my 90 seem like 200%. So watch this. God didn't say do it because he needs the money. He said do it. And watch me take care of everything else. I figured half of y'all wouldn't clap right there. But the same is true with the Sabbath. If you and I will release just one day out of seven, we are actively believing that God can do more with six than we could accomplish in seven. I told you it's a leap of faith. When I choose to operate by God's divine principles, I open myself up for God to mature my faith. For instance, if we believe that working all the voluntary overtime, don't be mad at me. If we believe that working all the voluntary overtime is what gets me promoted. Our trust is in the wrong God. Are you going to walk with me? Because we say we believe a God, that what he has for me One interesting fact about the Sabbath is this. According to Jewish custom, the Shabbat or the Sabbath runs from dusk to dusk, not dawn to dawn. The typical practice is that that there is a frenzy of preparation for the next 24 hours on the afternoon leading into the Sabbath. So here's what I mean. The parents go to work, the children go to school. When they get home, they're in a frenzy getting ready because they can't do anything tomorrow. But at the time that the Sabbath was initiated, it didn't start at midnight or in the morning. It started when the sun went down. The Sabbath does not begin with a day. It begins with a night. So how does this look? The Sabbath begins with dinner and sleep. So watch this. The physicality of the Jewish Sabbath observance lines up beautifully with its spirituality. What you do physically shows what you should be doing spiritually. Since it begins in the evening when the sun goes down, physically I eat. And then go to sleep. And the Sabbath shows us how to grow in faith in God. So if I eat and go to sleep physically throughout the rest of the week, when I'm faced with various and diverse temptations, I need to eat and go to sleep. The Sabbath shows us That the believer who truly trusts in God doesn't spend his day up worried about what's going to happen this evening or tomorrow. But the real believer who believes in a real God is willing to to get something to eat and then take your behind to sleep. Go take all your work clothes off. Put on your pajamas and your comfortable sleep clothes. Say your prayers. Tell the Lord all about it. Make sure you got good and full. Slide your way into the bed. Lay down and fluff your pillows. Lay down flat. Pull your covers all the way up over you. Snuggle up real good and go to sleep. Because if God is as good as he says he is, why should I be worried? Why should I be tripping? Why should I be stressed? Why should I be anxious? Why should I be down? His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Jesus said, come to me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, yeah, 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 for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. During this time in your life, baby, just rest. God is who He says He is. God is who He said He is. And God is who we say He is. He's got you covered. You just gotta learn how to rest. God bless you. God keep you. Is our prayer. The doors of the church are open.